0: Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas. And if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. So today I am delighted to be speaking to a gentleman by the name of Jesper Ostergaard. And Jesper joins me from a very different perspective, I think, to what we've done in the past. So Jesper is the managing director um, for the 7 Eleven convenience store brands in Denmark, which is part of the right and Convenience Group, which to be honest, I had never heard of until I started working in convenience retail. But having been working in this sector now for the past couple of years, years, it's incredibly impressive the work they're doing across Scandinavia. And to give you some sense of the scale of the operation, there are over 38,000 people employed across Scandinavia and the Baltics within and Convenience Group. So, I think one of the reasons that I find convenience retail so fascinating is purely because I suppose as consumers, when we try and go into a convenience store, our number one objective, I think, is getting in and getting out super quickly. So, I know the industry would use the term reducing friction. And obviously, as loyalty experts, what we're trying to do is we're trying to connect and we're trying to engage. So, how do you do that without causing friction? Now, as well as that particular industry um, excitement, um, the 7-Eleven team in Denmark recently won a phenomenal award. It's highly prestigious and they basically won the International Convenience Retailer of the Year. So you can imagine now with, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of stores around the world, for 7-Eleven Denmark to win that was absolutely phenomenal. So I wanted Jasper to come in and talk about exactly his journey. And what I think we're going to talk about is lots of different aspects to the business. And I think like any um, industry, the first job is get your core product right. And we'll talk about that today. And then obviously it's get your structure loyalty strategy right. So, we'll cover both aspects of that. So, before I get into any specific questions, let me first of all welcome Jesper Ostergaard to Let's Talk Loyalty.
1: Thank you so much, Paula. This is really exciting. Thank you for having me.
0: Great, great, great. It's great to have you on the other line and you sound loud and clear. So, it's fantastic to be able to talk to you today. So, now, before uh, we get into your specific career, Jesper, I think, as you know, We always start every episode just with a key loyalty statistic because I've often said it just gives us the sound bite to get an understanding of everyone's perspective of what's important. Now, you work in convenience retail, so I think the good place to start is give us a sense of how important or what statistics you like in terms of the industry that you work in.
1: That's a tough question because there's a lot of things I like. Uh, I think one of the statistics we are really proud of is that the recent survey shows us that 77% of the Danish population actually shops, uh, uh, come to our store and buy products in our stores. So, so that is a great statistic. Wow. Another statistic we, uh, we really uh, are proud of is that I think many years ago, many, at least in the northern European markets, believed that convenience retail would disappear. Mm. And uh, I think we have proven over the last couple of years or the last five years, perhaps, that we are more relevant to more customers than ever. So, so it's, it's really exciting to see on the statistics how that has developed and more and more customers actually comes to our stores.
0: Fantastic. And that's a great starting point, Jasper. absolutely. So for me, you know, convenience stores are really where I'm doing more shopping, certainly not less. So um, in terms of your whole team and your your career, you certainly have a a safe future ahead. Um, So that's a great place to start. And again, if 77% of Danish consumers are are shopping with you, um, then clearly you're doing a lot right. So we'll definitely throw talk through your journey and exactly why you won that award. But even before we get into convenience retail, Jesper, I know you did eight years in your career um, a long time ago, in fact, with Blockbuster Video, um, which is obviously a very different type of retail. So tell us a little bit about um, that industry. And I think you probably learned a lot about maybe understanding what customers need. So maybe just give us a summary of your background before we move into uh, 7-Eleven.
1: Sure. This week, I've actually been on board uh, with the, the right-hand convenience company for 13 years. So wow. it's, uh, it's a long time since I left Blockbuster. I left them um, when they were in a quite good shape. When I left the Danish business, uh, it was actually uh, delivering the best results ever uh, and on the top five in the world. So, so I think we've done a good job. Mm. But obviously, everybody knows that renting a physical video, nobody does that anymore. Mm. Um, it was a great time though. It was a fantastic place to work. Um, uh, and I think it was a very, to a certain degree, customer-centric company. <laughs> you could argue not enough because they disappeared, uh, <laughs> but, but the way they, they worked with the customers, the way they worked with loyalty was quite impressive. And I think at that time I learned a lot that I have taken with me to, to this job. Yeah. Um, So, so, so Blockbuster was a fantastic company in many countries in the world. It became quite big. And to be honest, looking back, I think that is part of why it, it couldn't survive because, you know, when companies get very big, there's certain arrogance in the top management. And sometimes they think that, well, we are so big now that we are unbeatable. Yeah. Um, And what happened really was that, you know, John Hastings and and the US came up with Netflix. At that time, that was physical DVDs as well. You had them sent in your mail, then you returned them in mm. an envelope. So it was very simple. Um, and, and Blockbuster said, well, they're never going to be. This This is too, too simple. It's, mm. it's never going to work. Yeah. Uh, but it did. And suddenly they became very big. And, and I think Blockbuster missed the opportunity of working digital. Mm. Um, when they filed for Chapter 11 in, uh, in 2010, I think it's sort of the first time where I personally started thinking of disruption, because that was a quite new word. And what was it actually? Uh, what did it mean? Mm-hmm. But I think other companies disrupted that business model simply because, you know, the company didn't challenge itself. Everything was fine. So why change it? Mm-hmm. And I think that has learned me a lot. Mm. so even though things are quite well now you have to challenge yourself about the future and mm. it can be the very near future so so uh, blockbuster worked a lot with loyalty they were very good at being customer focused they were very good at you know they knew exactly what type of movies you preferred and that meant that you received offers within that that area of 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 types of movies you wanted so mm. I think I learned a lot, and Blockbuster did a great job for many, many years, um, but, uh, but it didn't survive uh, because they were not focused enough on the future. Mm. So, so that brought me into this business, and um, there are a lot of similarities, to be honest, because it's all about being customer-focused. If you are not focused on your customer needs, you will not survive and and that has driven us to where we are today in our danish business i would say in the right hand convenience companies in the seven countries we are in
0: mm-hmm.
1: we are as you probably know we are a value based company we have eight values and and they are sort of our they are our backbone no matter what we do we 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 actually decide what to do in our strategies based on our values okay. one of them is to be customer centric never mm-hmm. ever forget why you are here you are simply here to to, to make your customers happy. If you don't, they will slowly but surely disappear from your business. <laughs> so, so I think I learned that with the Blockbuster Company um, and has mm. built a lot on that since I joined the right-hand group.
0: Absolutely. And you've articulated that brilliantly, Esper. Um, and I'll go back to one word you used because as a consultant, it's something I do see in some companies who clearly will remain nameless. But if there's arrogance at the top level in a company, I don't quite know how that should be managed because, you know, the world is full of disruption. And I think it's it's a, it's very uh, rare and very brave for a company to challenge itself to say, actually, yes, you know, are we being arrogant you know are hmm. we being customer centric so um so it's it's good to look back and go okay that's not a mistake we'll ever make in in our careers going forward so nobody realizes it at the time but you're absolutely right customers will leave slowly but surely if they're not getting what they need exactly um, yeah, and and that's really what I mean. I, I've seen your videos, obviously, from winning that award in London that we're going to talk about. But in terms of Seven Eleven, I mean, first of all, congratulations, thirteen years. Thank <laughs> um, you very much. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. Uh, corporate loyalty and professional loyalty you're demonstrating there to uh, to, to the Seven Eleven brand and to hand So tell me, first of all, like, why were you tempted into convenience retail? Because, as you said at the time, people thought that industry might be actually on the decline rather Mm. than growing?
1: Mm. To be very honest, I I don't think I was tempted by the the convenience industry itself. I didn't really know a lot about it. What what I was... um, uh, Thrilled about was actually mainly two things. One, that it was an American brand. I like the US. I I love traveling in the US. So, So that was a great fit. The second thing, which was probably the most important is that I have been living many years ago. I lived in Norway for six years. Mm. And this, the right-hand group is owned by a Norwegian private, uh, privately-owned family. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that itself was just like coming home because I, I, I love Norway, I love Norwegians. So working for a Norwegian company in Denmark with an American brand, that was just spot on. I couldn't say no to that. <laughs> um, so to be honest, first after I signed the contract, I started finding out what convenience was all about. Um, luckily enough, I really... I I was really happy with the choice. I think it's a fantastic business. It's a fantastic company to work for, Mm. but it has been a quite challenging period as well because many people said to me when they realized where I was going, "Mm, why are you going there? Because that business will disappear. Nobody will, will survive. And that was really what people thought about convenience. I think what you could say is that convenience as a channel has disappeared because convenience today is more a concept. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of delivering to your customers. And, and to be honest, everybody tries to do this, even the the, the supermarkets, uh, all kinds of retailing, online or physical. They're trying to do the same. So it has disappeared as a channel but Mm -hmm. it is more important as a concept than ever. And I think we as consumers are uh, all of us restricted when it comes to time, we get more and more busy, we prioritize differently. Uh, So so we need help in our day-to-day lives. We need help to save time in certain areas, allowing us to spend more time in other areas. And that's where we come into the picture. How did we develop? How did we end up winning the prize? Well, we are very humble. Uh, It was absolutely fantastic to get the prize. And I still say, I said it at the stage in London as well, that getting this prize is great, but the greatest prize we can get is when customers come back to our stores and shop in our stores. So customer growth is really the best price we can get because that tells us that we do something right. Wonderful. So customer growth is a very important KPI for us. When we started the journey in Denmark, it actually started with the fact that I asked my management team, so if you have a day off or it's weekend and you want to go out, you want to buy some lunch, where do you buy that on the go? And to be very honest, most said not in 7-Eleven. Oh my
0: goodness. And
1: um, that really (laughs) struck me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we are not that different from our... Customers and the stores. So I decided we have to change that because if none of us want to buy our lunch in the Seven Eleven, why should the customers buy the lunch in Seven Eleven? So that actually started the journey, and we said we have to change this. And then we started developing the strategy, and we decided that we want to. You know, traditionally, many years ago, we were actually more like a kiosk chain. Mm -hmm. And basically, we sold traditional kiosk products like magazines, tobacco, uh, gambling, lottery, things like that. Mm -hmm. And we decided if we are are supposed to be here in 20, 30, 40 years and survive, we have to change that. So we decided we want to go from being a kiosk selling a few food products to become a food destination selling a few kiosk products. And that is two very different worlds. It requires different skill sets. It requires different operation. It requires actually different locations. So we had a lot of planning going on seven, eight years ago. And that has all led to where we are today.
0: Wow. I love that. Uh, and it is, it's so simple, Jesper, but it's so true. Like if we don't want to buy our own products, you know, mm-hmm. why, why are we selling them? You know? Um, so it's it's a, it's a very clever mindset. And I know one thing I learned about the writing group as well with my research is um that lovely um value as well around simplicity, you know, and, and keeping it really clear what you're doing, who you're doing it for, and why you're doing it. So that's what I'm hearing coming through in terms of evolving or maybe more than evolving i think it's revolutionizing your entire store concept is that fair to say
1: yeah i think that's spot on actually
0: mm, wow well i could only imagine and remind me esper it's about 200 stores you're operating in denmark is that right uh, currently
1: 175
0: okay fantastic yeah. a massive amount and and a huge amount of staff i'm sure as well just to keep all of that uh, all yes. of that running yes. okay yes yes <laughs> okay so Uh, Did you want to mention something there?
1: No, I just just wanted to mention that uh, obviously Denmark is a small country. We're only five and a half million inhabitants. So related to that, I mean, 175 stores is still a quite big company in Denmark. Uh, But we have dreams. And one of them is that we want to grow. And uh, I'm absolutely sure there's room for at least 50 to 100 stores more than we have today. Uh, and especially with the concept we now have because that has become more relevant to more consumers than ever. So we have a very good basis. We have a very good uh, yeah. uh, uh, concept to build on. Yeah. And uh, every time we have opened quite a lot of new stores recently over the next or the, sorry the last 12 months and yeah. they all are very successful. So okay, I think we have we have hit the nail here in terms of what the customer actually expects from us. Um, But it's extremely important for us not to, you know, become arrogant, not to become big and fat and sit in in the (laughs) office and think now everything is solved because our... We as customers, we as consumers, we change just so fast these days. And if we are not ahead of that, we can soon be irrelevant if we are not uh, focused on it. So so we are very customer-centric. We talk a lot to our consumers. We visit our stores very often. Um, Very often we remind uh, each other in the office that never forget the customer. Don't just sit at a desk and do something. You have to make sure it works at store level and it's something the consumer requires. Quests.
0: wonderful yeah well again you know super simple and and really bringing it back to basics and i will say of course i come from a, a similar size country to you so ireland has about 5 million people as well so i know that 175 stores is incredible um for, for a country of our size so and, and love to hear the ambition as well of course Great, Um, brilliant so um, I love the research piece and as you said it seems that you've got um, a proven model Um, you know if you feel like you've, you've you've really nailed exactly what's currently working and you have your eye on the future as well I can very much hear that Jesper in terms of what you're doing I'd love to Talk about loyalty, obviously. Now to get into the, the nuts and bolts of what we do on this podcast, and I think where um, where I'd love to start is a point that came up in lots of different interviews already, and I know it's something that you believe in because we've talked about it, and it's I suppose this idea of you know the C suite and the executive team uh, leading the loyalty and the belief in loyalty. So it's one of the reasons actually I wanted you on the show because you have said to me, you know, we're at the early stages of our loyalty journey. I actually think you're much further ahead than you think you are. (laughs) But uh, tell us about how you think about loyalty um, as an executive team.
1: Uh, It's great to talk about loyalty because I think it becomes more and more important. And if you analyze your own uh, private life, you most people will realize that you are actually very loyal to certain brands or certain chains, or or, or you have some behaviors where you sometimes get surprised about how loyal you are to some brands or chains. Uh, so, so I think loyalty is extremely important. Um, over the last couple of years, I realized that loyalty is probably much more important than I ever thought, and I truly believe in that the companies that implement a successful loyalty program have management teams that truly believes in that it's the right thing to do. And they have management teams that are involved themselves. It's not just something you give somebody in your company to deal with. So, so you need to own it uh, across the different uh, departments in, in your organization. Obviously, there shall be one single owner or primarily owner, and that is, uh, in our case, uh, the marketing department, which I think is, is quite often the case. Yeah. But if the marketing department or the head of uh, marketing is not getting that support from the management team, I don't think you will succeed. Um, over the last couple of years, I have been really, really Uh, uh, studying a lot of different schemes across the world. I've been traveling to visit some of the concepts. Uh, I've been talking quite a lot to you and you have inspired me a lot. Uh, I've been listening to some of your podcasts and uh, (laughs) and, uh, and, um, there was one podcast where one stated that although you might as a company or a chain think that your customers are very loyal. And although you look at the perhaps top 10% most loyal customers, Mm. they will still spend 50% of their consumption in that area at your competitor. And I think that really opened my eyes because sometimes we do think we have very loyal customers, but if there's still 50% to go for, I mean, we just have to get started. And as you say, we, we have we of course we started some years ago and we have different programs in place.
0: Mm-hmm. But I
1: think what we're looking at now and want to implement over the, the coming let's say 12 months is a more hol- holistic program that, that embraces our entire business and not just certain categories or certain products. So we want to make sure that what we implement does not end as being a discount program where you just discount some of your products uh, and sometimes where the customer is actually willing to pay full price, that does not create loyalty. Mm. So I think it is really important to crack the knot on how do you really create um, real loyalty? How do you actually make your customers come more frequent to your store? If you look at coffee, which is – coffee is a big business for us. Mm. Um, but if you have a customer buying 10 cups of coffee a week and only five of them is your is in your store, how can you make that customer buy all, all 10 or at least eight in your store? Then you have achieved what I think is true loyalty. Yeah. Um, if I look at loyalty programs across, at least in Scandinavia and the European markets, I would guess that at least 70 to 80% of them are basically discount programs. I'm not sure they create true loyalty. So I have really been trying to dig into uh, the companies that, from my perspective, have done a great job. Mm. And uh, I've been trying to understand what they have been doing, and they have sort of been the basis for our project team in terms of working w- with what we think is the right thing to do for our 7-Eleven business in Denmark. So, so, it's a really exciting journey, and, and just the fact that you might get uh, 50% more out of your most loyal customer is exciting. So, so, so there's a lot of upside here. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, growth to be captured. We mm. just have to do it right from day one. I think. Uh, so, so we would rather spend a little more time on the project than introducing something we don't think is a hundred percent right thing to do.
0: Yeah. Well, incredibly um, reassuring, there I suppose, Jesper. Because uh, first of all, I'm I'm super happy that that you you learned something and something opened your eyes in terms of a previous podcast. And I do believe, and we all say, you know, from the consulting side of the industry or maybe the practitioner side, you know, there really is so much specialized expertise that really can can really guide you in terms of your overall strategy uh, because it's such a refined and evolved field of marketing and that it's it's great to get those kind of ideas and and to to know that you're listening and factoring them into your own growth plans is super exciting for me to hear. (laughs) Definitely Uh, listening. Great, great, great. And I, I also, I love what you said about um, true loyalty. Um, I was in London actually just last week or or two weeks ago, in fact, at the, the loyalty conference, it's called the loyalty surgery. And I think every single speaker used the words emotional loyalty. Um, and I really do, I hear that coming through in terms of your intentions. And I do believe that, you know, the intention of the executive team, as you've said, is what drives the overall performance. And what we don't want to be are, you know, transactional databases of you do this and you get that um, because the world has been disrupted beyond that. So um, yeah, so I know we will have plenty more exciting conversations in the future between us um, (laughs) about all of those ideas. So tell us a little bit um, about what you do do currently in loyalty. And I suppose for listeners who are not familiar with 7-Eleven, first of all, I'll say, um, you know, to be clear, I work with the technology provider that powers your platform, which is super exciting uh, for me. So I do get an inside track. Um, So we we, we know liquid barcodes and we work together um, indirectly on that. Um, But what I think I learned, I suppose, when I came into the industry was it is this whole idea around, you know, the friction, that that really reducing friction is what is the biggest challenge and perhaps why convenience retail um, is so late, relatively speaking into thinking about the benefits and power of loyalty programs. So I'd love to, I suppose, with that kind of background and context, just tell us a bit about what you've done so far and some of the things that's maybe inspiring you in terms of growing your overall relationship with your customers.
1: Sure um, I would I would say we have sort of two headlines we have been working with for a long time and one is actual uh, loyalty schemes or programs quite simple but they seem to work and the other area is is the way we communicate we decided some years ago that we wanted if I take the last one first we decided that if we should succeed in becoming a destination for healthier, quality food on the go we needed to work with our brand perception because years ago if you ask somebody in the street in denmark 7-eleven what does that tell you or say you or what does it mean to you people said typically cook uh, coke pizza newspapers. And that's fine. We want to sell that stuff. We don't want to lose these customers, but we cannot build our future business on these customers. So we had to change the perception of our brand in order to attract new customer groups. So we very deliberately years ago started working in terms of marketing with both tactical communication, which we've done for All the years we've been in Denmark, very simple. Mm -hmm. uh, create some traffic when you run the campaign, but then it sort of uh, slows down and you really don't build the emotional uh, Mm. perception around your brand. So some years ago, we introduced two lines in our communication. One was to drive traffic here and now, Mm -hmm. and the other is much more long-term where we wanted to get people more emotional about our brand. And we have actually ended in the situation now that, you know, Five years ago, seven years ago, if you came into a 7-Eleven and wanted to buy a freshly made sandwich and that this did not have a brand name on it, that was not 7-Eleven, people were hesitating. They thought, mm, could that be fresh? Is the quality okay? But since we started changing or working with change of the perception of the brand... Today, our best quality food we simply call 7-Eleven products. And the Danish consumer today know that buying a product labeled with 7-Eleven, then they trust it. They know it's fresh, they know it's high quality, and they know it's good for them. So that journey has been extremely important for us. That has allowed us to be a totally different business today compared to seven, eight, nine years ago. And we have attracted totally new customer groups we have younger people we have more female coming into our stores we have people very focused on their health coming into our stores so so today we really we really embrace i would say 90 percent of the danish population Mm. which is fantastic that gives us so much new opportunities when we talk about sorry our Um, uh, loyalty programs. We started out with quite simple, you know, old-fashioned small card, credit Mm -hmm. card size, and we made a a stamp each time you bought a product that could be coffee, it could be a sandwich, it could be a, a hot dog, it could be anything really, but it was a limited number of products. Mm -hmm. Since uh, we started that, we have now, we have had that for five years. Together with uh, Liquid Barcodes, they have developed a very good app for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, That works perfectly well. So, we have basically the programs are still the same, but they are now digitalized. So, most customers actually use the app for it. Um, And that is fine. It works fine. And we believe it creates some kind of loyalty. But again, it is still... What I think more a discount program than actually creates true loyalty. Mm -hmm. So what we are looking at going to do in the future is actually having a more holistic view on how we can create loyalty. How can we get the emotional Mm -hmm. uh, feelings with and not just tactical communication about you can save something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to be in a situation where when a Dane in Denmark feels hungry or thirsty, the only brand they should think about is 7-Eleven. That is our goal. So mm-hmm. we want to be very top of mind. And and the last analysis we made uh, two months ago showed that we have moved dramatically towards that. But I still think there is so much opportunity. So So what we currently work on is how can we put all these um, uh, single uh, programs together in one big program that will mm. be more relevant take out friction uh, we are talking about easier access to the stores uh, self serve uh, self-checkout counters we already have that but we want to do it we want to be able to make it even easier for the customer i think friction is important if it's perceived as something negative but I think we need to remember as well that friction is not necessarily long time in the store because we do have more and more customers that wants to be able to sit down and enjoy their coffee or their food. Mm. So so friction is not necessarily about whether it takes five minutes or one minute, but Mm. if people perceive it as it takes too long, then friction is really important to work with. So we want to be able to to take care of both the customer that needs a break, sit there for half an hour, mm-hmm. uh, and the customer that just want to get in and out as soon as as quick as possible. So, so all these things goes into the project team that now works on this. And I think it's quite important to mention as well that the project team consists of not just marketing but IT as well. I think IT is mm. essential uh, working on a program like this. Mm-hmm. Then we have operations. We have finance and I'm, I'm there myself as well, which I think is quite important. So so we have most uh, areas in our our business is represented in the project team. Um, we have been slightly sort of a, we, we don't wanna put a timeline on it yet. We don't have a final uh, implementation, day, implementation date, but um, as I said earlier, we would rather spend a couple of more months on doing the right thing than forcing it into the market um but we do believe there's a lot of opportunity at the same time as we work with uh, loyalty we actually work on a business to business program um if it's yeah. okay i'll just put some put some words on that as well
0: love to yes i wasn't aware at all about that jesper no. so um <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated with b2b loyalty it's a whole different ball game so it is tell, tell us what are you doing
1: well well what, what actually for some years we have tried to incentivize our franchisees uh, I, I need to mention that most of our stores are franchised in Denmark we have some fantastic franchisees mm. uh, and they have played a very important role in terms of winning that award in london this spring mm. um, and and they have many of them have been very good at contacting businesses around their stores offering them different things you can order this and I will deliver that to you mm-hmm. um, and we have just made an analysis and we actually have quite many companies doing that in certain stores in the greater cities in Denmark. So what we have decided is that we want to make it a little more commercial we want to make it easier uh, so we are currently talking about whether we should have an app for it for the businesses or we should introduce it online but mm-hmm. at least it has to be digital and the idea is that if you run a company with 30 or 40 employees and mm. you have a meeting friday morning you can order 40 sandwiches 40 freshly squeezed juices etc wow. and you will have that delivered wow. and Currently, we don't see that that is covered in Denmark. Nobody has taken that position. Mm. And we have been talking to some companies and they think it's a great idea. They would definitely use it. Mm. You never know whether they will when it's there, but we do believe there's a a big opportunity for us here when when you talk about business to business. And the great thing is that our idea is that the order will then go to the closest store. Mm -hmm. So by doing this, we will actually help growing or, or creating comparable growth in that store for that franchisee because we use existing premises. We use that store mm. and the store's backroom and kitchen facilities. So it's actually quite exciting. We believe there's a lot of opportunity there.
0: Mm. We think
1: these two things has to be linked. So Mm. There has to be a loyalty element in the business-to-business business as well. In terms of the more you buy from us, the better discounts you get. The more mm. uh, you, 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 know, it has to to give you some benefits if you are loyal to us. So, so these yeah. projects are actually they're working quite closely together as we see them as one big project. Mm. Um, and that's really exciting. I don't think anybody else has done that yet in uh, in our marketplace. So, yeah, we're looking forward to see how that can develop.
0: Oh my goodness yes no that's super exciting and it reminds me actually many years ago I worked with British Airways and a brand I'm still very fond of as you can imagine uh, but similar to your thinking um, there's a number of kind of decision makers when it comes to volume purchase so whether that happens to be you know an executive assistant in the office um you know rather than the individual passenger on the airline you know if you can build in a loyalty strategy focused on everyone in the decision making. I really think you can build an extraordinary business and it's a very different loyalty strategy, but it can all sit under the one brand and under the one platform. And it's just thinking differently about what their needs are versus an individual customer.
1: Exactly. That's how we think it actually.
0: Wow, yeah. Well, it's certainly very clever, and um, I will keep my eyes out for you to see if I, I see anybody else in convenience retail with a similar one. But I think you might be first to market um, around the world with that kind of idea, Yes, So, well done you again.
1: <laughs> Thank you. That's exciting. But if you see anything like it, let me know.
0: Of course, of course. Well, sure. I'm sure all of our listeners as well uh, will, will be very quick to correct me if I've missed it. Um, there's a couple of specific functions that um, operate on your current consumer program, Jesper, I'd love to just uh, yeah. talk about because I think there's learnings uh, and some, I suppose, new technology ideas that not every retailer might even be aware of. And I suppose the one that I'm particularly passionate about is um, like mobile pay. I know in Denmark is um, is a popular form of payment. And my understanding is if um, somebody pays in 7-Eleven using mobile, mobile pay, which I think is like Apple Pay, and you can... You can let me know but that they automatically then get their loyalty points or stamps without having to scan a card or scan the app is is that true for 711 in denmark
1: uh, it's true in terms of that. That is our goal, but we have not introduced that yet. But we are actually working together with liquid barcodes, barcodes on that because we think this is really about taking out friction. It's about making it easier. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's definitely high on the agenda. It's part of the program, but that is not introduced yet, yet but it will be.
0: Okay, fantastic. Well, I, again, I know we've talked about it in the past, and you know, I've written about it. So it's it's one of those things. I think the um, the generic term is payment linked loyalty. So whether it's mobile pay or you know a particular other form of payment, um, if you can reduce that particular you know double card swiping, I think uh, customers really love it. Um, in the markets that I've I've kind of written about, so um yeah, that'll be super exciting for you as well.
1: Definitely, and and you're absolutely right about mobile. Mobile pay we were the first convenience chain in Denmark that actually signed up with with the, with the company allowing us to offer that payment solution for the customers and that has become quite popular because you yeah. know everybody has their phones on them not necessarily everybody has their wallet with them exactly. so, so that has made sense and that works pretty well Wonderful. and now as you said we want to link that together with that you actually get your stamps auto- automatically.
0: Okay, okay, fantastic. And tell me then, are there other technology um ideas that are inspiring you, Jesper? I mean, we've, you know, talked about um all of your travels around the world, um, you know, what's happening in Asia, what's happening in the United States. So, you know, everything and anything from, you know, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, like is there something that you would say is resonating with you as a as a managing director to go, I think my customers would like if I could do something mm. in that area.
1: Mm. Mm. I, I think this is a really interesting area and uh, and I was in Shanghai in March attending the NAX Asia meeting and that was really an eye-opener. Um, I went to China some years ago, Seven years ago, uh, as well as Shanghai, and I must admit that it was a totally different city. So much has happened in the in the digital area. Mm. Um, you could you could enter stores, and I, I couldn't because I was not in the system, but people actually entered stores and paid just by their face. Yeah. Um whether we will end there with our GDPR rules and et cetera, <laughs> I'm not sure, but but yeah. there's a lot of inspiration to get there. And it's all about making it easier for the consumer. So so that is really in our alley. That's where we have to have our focus. How can we make it even easier to shop in our stores? Absolutely. Um, I think technology helps us a lot when it comes to to uh, uh, artificial intelligence. I think there's a lot of help to, to get when it comes to our support office. It's more like in finance, et cetera, where we're using that. I'm not sure exactly where we would be able to use it in the stores, but we do consider whether we should implement parts of that in our auto replenishment systems helping the franchisees with the ordering and make sure that it's the right order depending on the weather depending on occasions or or happenings in that local area so i think there's a lot of help to get there Uh, overall uh, t- the digitalization has helped already but I think we are just using a fragment of the opportunities there are so 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 it's something we are looking very much uh for developing our our um, company in Sweden is perhaps slightly ahead of us when it comes to uh, uh looking at what the technology offers us so so in Sweden we are currently developing a test when it comes to unmanned stores, so so everything is self serve, as as you've seen in a couple of other countries in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, what we're good at in ro- the right hand group is actually if something is developed in a country, we are quite good at sharing and then copying it if it works. Mm. So so uh, I think that solution would work in some places in Denmark, like bigger universities, bigger companies, etc. So mm-hmm. we are looking at different uh, different areas when it comes to technology. I think it's really important. But, I think we are still in the people business, and I think the technology should not take over the people um, element and And uh, we when we talk to our consumers, they still think the majority still think it's important that there is a person when they come into the store. It creates some some uh, trust, it creates some safety. Mm. Um, so so I think we should do both. but but, you know, I could not see for me in the future 100 stores in Denmark with no people working there. I don't think that would work. Uh, Again, what I remind my team of is that a lot of the products we are selling can be bought everywhere, Mm -hmm. quite often at lower prices. So what we are selling is actually time. We are selling experiences in the store. Mm -hmm. And a very important part of that experience has to do with the uh, interaction with people. So so I, I don't think we will ever have only stores with no no staff working and self-serve. But it's definitely going to be part of our business in the future.
0: Wonderful, and uh, and you're very lucky to have made it to Shanghai, Esper. I have to say I'm a, I'm a little envious on that one. Um, as you know, I've written about you know you know facial recognition and 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 paying with your hand. And as you said, I have no idea how those technologies will will land in Europe, but I do think there's an element maybe of the fun factor. Um, and you know, I've seen some robotic technology where it becomes almost a part of the theater of an experience. So there probably is a way to do it um, where it doesn't detract, but actually does enhance the in-store experience. So so I'll be certainly keen to, to hear how your, your colleagues in Sweden are getting on. And um, definitely next time we meet, we can talk about how you plan to bring that to Denmark. Sure. Um, so, just a final few questions, then, Jesper. Um, I always, as you know, look at loyalty programs around the world in different industries okay. to bring learnings maybe from one into another, where it mightn't be, you know, obvious yeah. what what's working. Like, if you were to tell our listeners, you know, what your favorite loyalty programs are, even just as a consumer, because we know you travel frequently, um, so there's lots of ways that you're probably paying attention to loyalty programs. So, what? Loyalty programs do you personally admire?
1: Uh, I have a couple uh, that I admire and that has been very inspirational for, for the work we currently uh, are doing in our, our business in Denmark. And 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 one is actually, and that is perhaps easy for some people, but, but 7-Eleven in the US and Canada has developed a very Uh, good loyalty program, which is much more holistic than the one we have. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's still early days, but I'm sure over time it will prove that it is a very strong program that actually makes the business more relevant to more consumers and it actually creates true loyalty, which I'm looking for. Mm. So I think that is worth to look at. Um, and another, t- another loyalty program is actually, uh, to a certain degree, one of our competitors because it's Starbucks and their coffee is big for us as well. Yeah. But I must admit that what I'm ex- excited about with the Starbucks program is that you basically don't really get a lot of discounts. Mm. You still pay more or less normal prices for your products. But somehow they have managed to build a program that really captures their customers and make them come again and again to the stores. Mm. and. I think that is the, the most important uh, task for a loyalty program, program, that is really to make sure that the customers becomes more loyal. And, and everybody can introduce a program where you give a lot of discounts, then it's going to be very costful for you. And I'm not sure it creates true loyalty, mm. but Starbucks, has, has they have made something that really seems to work, that's exciting. Mm. Um, the third one and the last one I want to mention is perhaps a little on on uh, uh, traditional because it's not really, a, it is a chain, a store chain, but it's not really a, a chain that has a lot of stores, but it's Nespresso. Mm. Um, I think the way they have introduced that product, their coffee machines, the coffees um, has been really impressive. And I think if you first uh, become a Nespresso customer and you start buying the capsules, it takes a lot for you to go for something else because the quality is very good. The service you get, no matter whether you are in contact with them on the phone, in a store, online, Mm. it is outstanding. Uh, Their their service levels are fantastic. So you feel so well-treated. You feel so welcome. Mm. um, And that, I think, makes sure that you don't leave them again. Of course, you do sometimes, but I think their program overall globally has been very strong. Mm. And sometimes we, when we talk about evaluating or uh, developing our, our customer service uh, level in our stores, we quite often talk about Nespresso. How do they do it and, and how have they accomplished where they are today? It's pretty impressive.
0: Sure. Wow, and all three examples um, really are are ones that I love as well, Jasper. So thank you for for all of the homework and, and the research. Um, I, I think you know I judge the loyalty magazine awards in the UK, and I've seen some of the entries for um, for your colleagues in the US and Canada for Seven Eleven, and absolutely breathtaking results. Which again, we can never you know publish or disclose or whatever, but internally you have access to. So there's definitely incredible. Work, including some cool stuff, which I, I think is probably hard to rationalise. But the the augmented reality concepts, there's some really good fun that um, that I know Seven Eleven's done in the US, and yeah. um, that that you can definitely leverage and to your point about Starbucks um, I was reading about them actually even in China yesterday and they have a whole gifting proposition which again to the point about um, building true loyalty I really think they have a lovely idea around say it with Starbucks so the whole kind of gifting concept and bringing people together using your loyalty platform and loyalty program to me that's something that Starbucks does better than anyone Um, and then obviously in Espresso I mean it is a phenomenal brand. And I have talked a bit about um, customer experience uh, with actually Mike Atkin on a previous episode where we say, you know, a customer experience drives loyalty in addition to and way beyond your loyalty program. So I think you're right to pick up on the outstanding service of Nespresso, just to really pick up on how they're driving that kind of long-term emotional connection with their customers. Sure. Thanks. Cool. So great work. Um, And and just, I suppose, the last couple, um, in terms of resources, Jesper, that you tend to rely on, either for your own industry insights or even for marketing initiatives or trends, what kind of um, conferences do you like to go to or what kind of resources would you recommend for listeners?
1: Oh, that that is a tough question because t- to be honest we don't go to a lot of conferences internationally but uh, but we attend the NAC shows and I think uh, to be honest the NAC shows when it comes to insights and, and sharing uh, practices. I think the one in London uh, has been the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one in the US is just so big, it's it's difficult to, to sort of get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one in London has been very good. I was uh, the first time this spring at the NAC show in Asia. That was fantastic because of the technology. I think, I think if, if you get a chance, you should go there. Mm. That was really exciting. But apart from that, we we quite often attend to some Scandinavian conferences, which are very good. There's a Danish company called the Pike Group, P-E-J. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are doing very well when it comes to trends uh, within uh, the supermarket industry, uh, uh, convenience industry, uh, trends in general. It can be fashion, any, any kind of trends. They have a very strong and sort of... Uh, predicting what happens in five and 10 years. And every time we've been listening to them and and look forward in our own business, we must Mm. admit that they sort of hit the nail every time. (laughs) So so we use them quite a lot. Uh, We have sometimes uh, them coming to our internal conferences with franchisees and uh, they have been attending in a couple of other countries in the right-hand group as well. So, So they're definitely very strong
0: wonderful well i'll make sure to put that in the show notes because it's not one i'd come across before but you're absolutely right you know there are people who specialize in understanding where consumers are thinking probably beco- before any of us consciously realize it so um uh, it's worth investing in that type of expertise so that you're building your strategy on on where overall humanity is evolving to so um so that that makes an awful lot of sense good Great. Um, So I suppose um, we're going to probably wrap up now, Esper. Is there any other area in terms of either loyalty or marketing that you wanted to pick up on or um, any any other things you wanted to, to include before we close? Uh, no, I think
1: we've covered most of what I wanted to talk about. Uh, the only thing I'd say is that loyalty has, you know, always been part of my agenda. But the last couple of years, I have really, really, really tried to get a lot of information about great loyalty programs globally because I think there's so much opportunity, and and uh, it fits perfectly well into our value saying we have to be very customer focused because. The only thing we want to do is to to become more relevant to our consumers. So, so talking to you uh, during the last year, talk or listening to podcasts in general about loyalty has really inspired me. Um, I think I'll, I'll stop this session by saying that personally, I believe that the management team has to be on board. If you want to succeed with a, a loyalty program, don't just give it to somebody that has two hours a week to work on it. it is, it's huge. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do it, you need to know and understand that it takes some resources to become uh, successful. And um, we, we do believe we do the right thing, but we, we will see when we implement it.
0: My goodness! Well, I couldn't have asked for a better close, Jesper. Um, You've uh, you know reassured me that there's a future for all of us who work in the industry. Absolutely. (laughs) So I'm delighted that uh, we're learning and listening and inspiring each other. And I definitely hope that we get to uh, to do this again in the future. You know, when you're further down the journey with your project team. So from my side, I just want to really thank you for your time and insights. So Jesper Ostergaard, just say thanks a million from Let's. Talk loyalty.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews, and thanks again for supporting the show.